Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. And guys, it's been weird not being around. You know, it's just felt strange. I actually had some people write in when we finished up season three that, uh, you know, they were just missing the content. And I was telling them that it's kind of weird for me too to not be delivering it. So I'm really excited to be back with a bonus episode. And as we get into the conversation here, we're going to be talking with Jerry Eisenhower. And he hit me up because he's teaching a couple courses at the HPB Expo this year that are going to be terrific. And I'm laughing because I'm promoting you to go to his classes. He's actually teaching at the exact same time as me, but his classes are going to be off the hook. He's going to be doing one that's all about training an in-house service team and another one about how to sell high-end barbecue grills and outdoor living, and they're going to be just terrific courses. So what I want you guys to take away from this is regardless of if you go and see Jerry or me at Expo, I really want you to understand that there are amazing classes being offered, and it might be too late for you to attend this year, but man, in the future, I I personally think this is the highest value piece that there is at the trade show. They bring in amazing speakers from all over the country that are just experts in their profession that can help you move the needle in your business. It is worth spending 150 bucks for an education passport. One thing I want to point out too is that if you enjoyed the episode that we had before about the HPB Expo, I had people write in and ask me to make the schedule that I talked about a public thing. So what I did is I put up a link on my website. If you go to itsfiretime.com slash meetup, that's itsfiretime.com slash meetup, you'll be able to get info on our podcast hangout that we're going to have at the expo. But down at the bottom of that page, you can actually download our guide to the trade show. And as I look at just the speakers that are going to be there, the companies that are there, and the RSVPs that we're getting for the podcast meetup, it's going to be awesome. I'm actually scared that the venue isn't going to be able to hold everybody. So if you haven't RSVP'd yet, please go to that link and RSVP that you are going to be there. So before we get going with this episode, I want to tell you guys about some things that I have coming up. So for me, the next few months are going to be crazy, and uh, I'm going on what we're calling the Firetime Tour. Now, I got to give props to the Northeast HPBA for coining the term. They invited me out for a series of speaking engagements, and they said, hey, we're going to call it the Firetime Tour. Is that okay? And I was like, perfect, and I'm stealing it. So throughout mostly April, May, and June, I'm going to be out on the road a lot. I think so far, I'm up to 17 states, uh, and then a couple provinces of Canada as well. But I want to point out that if the content of the podcast has been helpful, I would love to invite you out to any one of these speaking engagements just to be able to meet you and talk to you. And just, I'd love for you to be able to hear this content in person and for us to be able to actually dialogue back and forth so that we can make it specific to your business. So with that in mind, I want to highlight a couple different dates that are here. So I'm going to be going out to New England in early April. And April 6th, I'm going to be in Manchester, New Hampshire. April 7th, Plymouth, Massachusetts. April 8th, Plantsville, Connecticut. And April 9th, Newburgh, New York. And I'm really excited about this because we're going to be doing the same thing 
every single night. And what we'll do is the front end of the talk is going to be about simplifying our sales process, how to make it easy for our customers to buy from us. And then in the middle, we're going to jump specifically into a retail showroom and talk about how to build a sales process in your retail showroom that connects with customers and wins more sales. And then the last part of the event is actually going to be a live workshop where we take the information that we've discussed and we're actually going to put it into practice and make a game plan for your businesses. So I cannot wait to see you guys out in New England. Those four dates are going to be really special. Okay, now, one more thing. Before we get into this episode, I got to tease it out and say that at the trade show this year, something big is coming. For the last nine months or so, Grant Falco and myself have been working on something that we think is going to be really big. And and our goal is to connect the industry in a way that it hasn't been connected before and to capitalize on the community that this podcast has created. So if you see me or Grant at the trade show, come up and talk to us. We're going to have all kinds of swag to give you, but more than anything, we just want to connect with you. So with that in mind, man, New Orleans is going to be so awesome. This conversation with Jerry just gets me fired up for it. So I cannot wait to see you guys there. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Joining me from Charlotte, North Carolina is Jerry Eisenhower, return guest to the show with the CVC Success Group. Jerry, how you doing, man? Man, I am doing great here. I don't know what the weather is like there, but it's like it's like summertime in January here today, Tim. Oh man, nice. You know, it is cold and rainy in the Pacific Northwest today. So I'm glad that you got some good weather out there. Well, isn't that every day in the Pacific Northwest? Every time I'm there, it's like that's part of living there is in the rain, isn't it? You know, that is our secret is that when people from the outside come, the weather is always terrible. But honestly, most of the year, it is amazing here, but not today. (laughs) Fantastic, man. Glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, Jerry, I'm excited to have you on the show. And this is kind of cool. So this is actually a bonus episode. We haven't started season four yet. And we were talking a couple weeks ago about just the different courses that are coming up at HPBA. And it just, it made a lot of sense to have a conversation about it. I know that people have been writing me wanting more podcast episodes and this just felt really good to release in the interim while we're waiting for season four to come out. So I'm excited. Hey man, I'm always excited to be with you, brother. Well, Jerry, I think that I'm undermining myself here, but we got booked for two classes at HPBA at the exact same time. So in the one of the last episodes of season three, I did a primer on what people need to be doing at Expo this year, and I didn't make them choose between our classes. I said, you can go see Jerry, you can go see me. There's also some other great classes going on at the same time. But you got a course that you're teaching at one o'clock on Wednesday, March 11th, that's about successful in-house training. You got a course at 215 that's about selling barbecue grills successfully and I just want to pick your brain about what can people expect if they show up for one of these courses where do you want to start well the whole thing is we got two different courses so hopefully we can kind of divide this across let's start off with the barbecues and one of the things is you're in the northwest so y'all call it barbecues down here in the south we call it grilling, so it's kind of regional terms. Sure. But the whole thing is basically selling grills, selling barbecues is something that every single hearth retailer really needs to be in on because it has such a phenomenal profit potential, and the same customers are going to buy these products that are buying their fireplace goods. You know, this is what we noticed. We were able to build our outdoor kitchen sales up to where they exceeded our fireplace sales within just a few short years. Say that again. Okay. So you sold more in outdoor kitchens than you did with fireplaces. 
Yes, sir. And we are talking dollars, not units. Keep that in mind. Wow. So we're talking about actual gross and net dollars. As we progressed into this, we had went into the outdoor furniture business also, and it just never clicked. And finally, it kind of hit me. The real trick was outdoor living, and the real trick was going to be high-end outdoor kitchens, not the $1,500 units. We were up in $35,000, $50,000 outdoor kitchen sales, and the results were phenomenal. So what I want to ask you is this. I mean, I want to go into this because it's perfect that you're talking to me because for us, we just don't really mess with that much. We do a ton with fireplaces, but we don't really get into grills or outdoor kitchens or anything. It's a shift in thinking, but... How do you how do you start to make that shift? What do you what do you do if you're a business and you want to make that transition? Where do you even start? Well, the first thing is you've got to stop thinking like a hearth retailer and you've got to open it up into the outdoors. Okay. And one of the things that was real popular was a word coming alive in the fireplace industry. And Richard Wright at Hearth and Home Magazine was promoting this, which was called the outdoor room. And one of the and we went to a HPBA show and they had a display set up there with several decorators, uh, designers that were manning this particular area put up by HPBA showing outdoor living. So it's like, hey, I'm at this show for a couple days, Tim. So I went in and sat down with these two designers, and lo and behold, they were from High Point, North Carolina, which is less than an hour from where we are. So as I talked to them for the very first time in my life, I said, you know, I'm going to hire a consultant. And that really sounds weird since that's what I do for a living now, but I'm going to hire a consultant. So what I did is I hired these two designers to come to my retail location and we talked about this and what the potential was and what we were going to have to do on displays. Now, one of the things we did was we converted our retail showroom and we remodeled and made outdoor living indoors. In other words, when you came into certain areas of our retail store, it was like you were in the outdoors. In fact, there's some old issues of Hearth and Home magazine and some other magazines that we actually got featured in. So what was happening is we had this set up. And so when people came in for fireplaces, all of a sudden, they started seeing outdoor living, and they saw it like they saw it in magazines. And what was happening here, I'll give you an example. We had one customer that came in to buy a thermocouple, a thermocouple for a gas log, Okay, you know, $17 sale. When they walked out, their sale was over $35,000. Because they could, I used to teach this, you're able to see it, you're able to touch it, you're able to feel it, you're able to fondle it, and you're able to fantasize about it, okay? Yeah. And what I meant by that, you could touch it. Do you ever notice how somebody comes in your store and they touch a wood stove or they touch a fireplace and it's like the weight of this and other things go on? So being able to display this, and then we went further using televisions to show how this is done. So the whole process of what I'm going to be doing at HPBA is sharing how do you relate to this customer, how do you display, and how do you do it effectively using virtual means this day where you're not investing as much into your showroom. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I guess the question for me that I've always had when you're looking at grills, I think that the skeptical answer is, well, they're just a commodity sale. We're not a value add to it. So why would they buy from us over a big box store? The value is the service. 
because our number one competitor was not the big box store. Our number one competitor, believe it or not, was internet providers, such as barbecue guys, other people like that. What we found out is our major, major challenge was the internet sellers. And what we had to do was sell the value of what we sold. But see, this is the thing. The majority of our sales were in built-in units, not freestanding units, not what I call the grill on the stick. Yeah. And if you go to most big box stores, that is an area that is abandoned by the big box stores. And it's it's a phenomenal market. It's just, it's some work. It's like anything else. You've got to pour yourself into it. But we sold outdoor kitchens with an excess of $20,000 worth of appliances, doors, and drawers, ice makers, refrigerators, what we call the sales below the belt. Yeah, and it is interesting because I, I keep thinking about who else is it that's in that space because you're right. With what you're talking about, big box is definitely not in that space. There's too much complexity. The internet is in a, in a sense, but I think you're right, especially if it is going to be a $50,000 deal, being able to touch it and feel it does make a big difference. And that's a part of the pie that is probably, I mean, going to a combination of like the internet plus landscapers, right? Correct. And see, one of the features is, is the electronic presentation, which is dead up your alley, Tim. <laughs> what happens is here, consumers commonly shop on the internet. You agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. In my statistics, it says over 92% of people shop the internet, even for local products. And the problem is you've got to have an electronic presence. And what your competition is, you got to remember, internet retailers are very good at placement of their ads. If you ever go on Facebook, you ever go research, the next thing happens, they bury the cookies in there. You see it on your Facebook and everything else. So you've got to develop because most people don't realize what you sell. So you got to be reaching out and you got to be aware, but more than likely the, your two biggest competitors in this are going to be internet retailers. And they're also going to be the landscape industry. As you're looking, many landscapers have developed some really phenomenal showrooms and they're selling high end grills. They're selling commodity grills, the big green eggs, the primos, the commodity Joe's. They're selling these products. But see, here's the feature that people have to remember. So many people are scared to say the following. Well, that's about a $50,000 package. Now, Tim, did you hear how easy that rolled off my tongue? <laughs> I did. You said it like you've been saying it for years. That's it. And see, what happens is a lot of times we're thinking people have certain budget restraints coming in our stores and we're thinking, OK, they're used to buying a hundred dollar grill at Home Depot or another big box store. Well, realistically, that's in their minds because we did the research. We found where so many magazines and I'll give you an example. I actually, as we researched where you could, you know, where this information coming from, one of them was Playboy magazine, believe it or not. Okay. I read Playboy for the articles. Okay. Tim? I'm sure you do. Right. But in there, it was talk in a Playboy magazine. And I used to use this in training. It showed where Playboy magazine was showing that the outdoor kitchen was now a chick magnet. I hope this doesn't offend anyone, but this is the way it was looked at. And it told you right there that you need to expect to spend between sixteen and $30,000. Wow. It was saying it. And if you do the research, the consumer expects this price. We're scared to fill that bill. And we got to step out of that comfort zone. So 
and I don't want to steal your thunder from the course. I'm assuming you're going to get into like if you give a mouse a cookie, what's next, right? So do you have to get into hardscapes, or are you talking? Do you just do the kitchen, the barbecue? What about finishing the grill with granite with stone? Are you going to tackle all this in your course? Yes, we taught what we ended up doing, which developed into a manufacturing entity, is we found out that there was a a, a great market for outdoor kitchens and what people needed was a designer someone to help them it's just like in the fireplace industry if you're going to be a successful retailer of fireplace goods you've got to be able to help people to design where that fireplace is going where the tv goes where it complements and that's where cheryl had a very distinct design side to her and one of the things that we always told people as we trained them in outdoor living is you've got to appoint a designer in-house by meeting with your designer. And we had all kinds of photos. We had all kinds of pictures. And we wanted to work, we had to work with the visual. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, Jerry. I'm excited. I I wish I could be in this course, but we're booked at the same time. I'm going to have to try to catch it on video or something. So let's switch gears to the other course you're going to be teaching, which is going to be about building a service center in your business. And I want to hear you talk about that. Okay, well, actually, it's about building an in-house training center, Tim. Okay. Okay, because in this day and time, one of the hardest tasks that we all have is training a new person to, to move to a degree of excellence. I've had multiple dealers write me just in this last week about this same issue that they're having, looking for a space. Right. It's like when you and I are teaching at HPBA, when we're looking out in the crowd, we have an hour and a half. And we're talking to business owners. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So we're really not teaching their people. So the whole idea of success, and we've taken this from the HVAC industries and building your own training content, or you're using prepared content that in this day and time is available from all over the place. I mean, when we look at it, NFI has a phenomenal virtual training platform. Yeah. We have phenomenal platform and other people have phenomenal platforms that we can put to use in our own businesses and train our people at a much lower cost and much more effectively than we can afford to put them onto a plane, send them to a manufacturer, do things like that. It's able to stretch your training dollars to get better results. Well, I'm doing the math on this because I know the skeptic is going to say, well, I don't have time to do that. It's going to be too much money to build it. But I think you're right that by the time you put a tech on a plane and send them somewhere and bring them back, we talked about this the last time you were on the podcast. I mean, when you look at the hard cost plus the opportunity cost, you're probably shelling out three to five Gs. And if you invest that same thing into your own business for a training center, you could probably get pretty far with that, right? Right. We ran a, we ran a cost analysis last year from what it cost someone to send them to a remote training in their own town. Okay, okay, Tim, this is no this is no hotel, this is no airplane, this is no rental cars, this is a seminar that's right in your own town. Mm-hmm. And your cost to attend this seminar is ninety nine dollars. When we ran that cost, your actual cost, when you take in your downtime inability to service your customer, ran over two thousand dollars. I believe it. If you had to travel such as hotels, rental cars, plane flights, it was up around $3,100. On the average, is what you pay for one day of training. It's yeah. like if you send four people to HPBA, if you ever look at the total cost, it's not the cost of getting them in the show because that's cheap. 
It's the cost of housing them. When you look, it's like Travis Industries or people like that. Their cost to attend a show like that, it's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars. Absolutely. And what you've got to do to be successful is invent a system that will work for you to bring you the best results at the lowest cost. And that's what our intent is, is to teach people how to set this up in their own operations. Do you have an example of someone that's done that successfully? I have quite a few examples of customers that we presently service that have built their own training rooms in their own facility, which means they have a television in there, a widescreen television. It's computer accessible. We do a lot of live stream training with people. They will bring their people into their training room, and we will set up a virtual meeting, and we will do courses that way. Also, we train people in how to use virtual content. Content because there's secrets to using virtual content. If you just put people in a room for an hour and say, watch this, <laughs> course, you're not going to get a whole lot. Yeah, good you luck. Gotta, right. You've got to have a facilitator there. you got to be able to ask questions. I present a lot of courses online, and the difference in presenting online is there's nobody to get a reaction. You're talking to a computer screen. Yeah. But when you're in a room, and like I said, I've seen you teach, you've seen me teach, and it's a matter of gearing that presentation to the facial features, to the reactions that you're getting from people. That's what we want to train people to do, is yep. how to become their in-house trainers themselves. As far as the time, yeah, it's going to take some time. And you've got to make a decision as a business owner. Is this something that you can do? Is it within your wheelhouse of skills? Or is it something that possibly you've got to make a person in your company become that in-house trainer? Yeah, yeah. Or hire somebody like you to come in and help build it for them. Right. I wrote a book two years ago, Tim. The title of the book is How to Move a a New Recruit to a skilled technician. And I recently just did a virtual course on this. And there's a whole process you got to go through. And that involves hiring the right people, as we've talked about before. It involves the right onboarding processes. It involves the right training and the right accountability and putting it all together. And that's what you've got to do. You've got a destination. And what we want to teach people to do, if they can visualize that destination, we want to help them construct that path to get to their dream destination. Well, this tees up really well following the last episode that we had of season three of the podcast. So we had a live Q&A with me and Grant Falco fielding questions. And Grant talked about the investment that he's made in his service and installation crews. He, He was really focusing on installation, but the analogy works for this. Basically... He's decided to make the investment for the last couple of years in the off-season to hire extra installers, and he has an extra man on installation crews for six, seven months of the year. And it does hit the bottom line where it drags it, but that allows extra training for months and months and months and months so that when they hit their busy season, all of a sudden they flex and they're up to four install crews. Because the, the reality is, Grant pointed this out, that pretty much any business during the, the heat of the season could sell five times the amount of fireplaces that they do if they could get them installed. So what he did is he made the off-season investment, carried that burden for six, seven months, and then in the busy season, he's having an amazing year, and he's going to do the same thing again in this next year because he's made the investment. And a lot of businesses complain that, well, our numbers aren't better, this, that, or the other, but 
Man, when you got a three percent unemployment rate and people are not out there that have this skill set, you got to grow it, and it's worth the investment. It is, and this is the other side, Tim. It removes the handcuffs, and here's the whole thing: you've managed a retail store, right? Yep. And what happens one day that your top performer decides I'm going to be leaving and go do something else? You have nobody in the back room ready to step in this position. And all of a sudden, you're not there. So what Grant's doing is taking off the handcuffs of being at the control of someone else because this is the real world. We never know who may be leaving us. They might be through any number of things. It could be that they decided to go somewhere else. They could have had a wreck. They could have had anything could have happened. As a coach, that's what we work with our customers and try to get them to realize you've got to run a business that if somebody gets hit by the bus, yeah, sorry to cut you off. Simon Sinek calls that the school bus test. He said if, you're, if your business doesn't pass the school bus test, you're never going to be able to sell it. If you That's get hit it. by a bus and you're dead and the business can't run without you, your business is worth $0. That's exactly right. And when we run a value assessment in our coaching business, that's part of what we do. What is the business value? If you decide to sell it one day, and a lot of businesses really have no value because everything is tied to the person that owns it, the person that's running it. And if they're going to be gone, the value is gone. Absolutely. Wow. So you're going to be speaking at one o'clock on Wednesday, March 11th, and that's going to be the course on creating this in-house training system. And then it looks like you're going to be talking at 2.15 about successfully selling barbecue grills. Jerry, I'm stoked that you came on the show and I think people are going to get a ton of value out of this episode. Thanks for coming on board today. Okay, brother, and I appreciate it. I look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks down in New Orleans, brother. All right, man. We'll see you later. Okay. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jerry. I was super excited to talk to him, and it honestly just gets me fired up for the trade show. You know, as I look at it, our industry's trade show is in an interesting spot where we're seeing a disruption in the way that people get information and make buying decisions and everybody's got to be thinking about it. But that being said, I'm really excited for New Orleans this year because I think that the mentality of a lot of the dealers and the manufacturers is going to be different. I really do. Over the last six to nine months, we've been having a lot of conversations at the national level with what is the purpose of our trade show? How do we give value to the people who exhibit, to the attendees who attend? How can we have better education sessions? And also from the dealer perspective, how can we show up actually ready to take advantage of it, right? So you could have the best trade show in the world where they do all these amazing things for marketing, for value, for setting up the booths really, really well and and all this stuff. But If you're a dealer that just wants to show up and party and you're not getting anything out of it, it doesn't help. So with that in mind, I think there's going to be something different in the air in New Orleans. I can't wait to see you there. Like I said, season four of this podcast, which is going to launch at the trade show, is going to be just incredible. I'm so excited for you to hear this content. And I got to tell you, like, especially over these last few months as I've had some downtime without the podcast going in between seasons... I just appreciate all the emails that I'm getting and the conversations that we're having to hear that this podcast is helping you make a difference in your business. So with that in mind, I hope you guys have an amazing next couple weeks. I cannot wait to see you in New Orleans. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough 
slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all in to buy.